This week's episode is being sponsored by Little Lights on the Lane. Little Lights on the Lane is a wedding and event venue surrounded by the Cedars Edge Golf Course, 15 minutes from Iowa City in West Branch, Iowa. This business is women-owned, and they focus on creating intentional spaces and exceptional experiences. They understand the importance of slowing down and being present in the moments that fill us with light and love. Betsy and I are excited to be part of one of their upcoming events, a women's wellness retreat on May 6th from 9 to 4 p.m., where we will share the message of self-compassion with attendees. In life, we all need space and time to recharge the inner light that is in us. Spend the day learning, nourishing, and relaxing, surrounded by a community of women. Whether you're a young professional in search of your new self, a mother finding time for everyone but yourself, an empty nester navigating through this new phase of life, or someone in between, this event is for you. The day will be filled with yoga, mindfulness, self-care, and a panel of amazing women with passion for women's health and wellness. Come join us for a day that is all yours. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hi, podcast listeners. We are already laughing and feeling the joy (laughs) and the positive energy of our guests. So it is my deep honor to introduce one of my forever mentors who has changed my life for the better in so many ways, Miss Marsha Nealon. And she is here with us today in the house. Yay. Yay. So let me tell you about Marsha if you don't know uh, this phenomenal woman. She is a positive possibilitarian. Did you make that word up, by the way? I love that word. I do too. I saw that word somewhere and I said, that's, that's my me. word. That's me. That's I agree. I it so encompasses you. She's also an intuitive artist, a visionary thinker, absolutely, and a longtime teacher of yoga and meditation, one of my primary teachers. She offers a playful Which is also so true. I can't tell you the many times she makes you break out in dance parties when you're in her midst. And a soulful approach to creative experiences by blending art, yoga, and meditation in her weekly classes, play shops, and destination retreats. She believes that through the practices of moving, creating, and meditating, we are provided a means to begin to awaken more fully to daily experiences, internal wisdom, and our highest potential. Marsha's worked in the health and wellness field for over 30 years, which means you must have started when you were five, right? (laughs) And six (laughs) and has owned fusion yoga studio for 20 years. She is certified in meditation through the Chopra center and the McLean meditation Academy. She's also co-founder of the brain train, which is a program for dementia prevention In 2017, Marsha was named one of the 10 women of influence through the Quarter Business Journal. She lives in Cedar Rapids with her husband, Russ. She has two sons and three grandbabies. Wow. Yeah. 
Welcome, Marcia. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, Betsy, for having me. Mm. We're so happy to have you. I feel like we don't even have to talk about anything because just having her here is I I wish, uh, well, maybe the podcast listeners will feel that energy during this conversation. So, yeah. Well, we've had, like Betsy said, some lively conversation already, but we always like to start at the beginning, which is kind of our first 10 years. So would you be willing to share with listeners your first 10 and, and, and those early years and some experiences that maybe really shaped you? Sure. I was thinking about this because I know you asked that question <laughs> on your podcast. And I can't remember much before five, which I don't know how many people can, but I was reflecting truly one of my most profound memories. I was five years old because I was in kindergarten and I... It was early one morning and I heard a really loud, stressful scream outside my house. And I was kind of half awake, half asleep. And then I heard voices and then I must have fallen back to sleep. But I just remember being awoken by this blood curdling scream. And what I found out later was that my father had just been killed in a car train collision. And so... That began like, uh, um, I, I would say I was a really happy child living in a soup of trauma that I didn't know existed. Mm. Um, my mom at that time became, she was 35 years old, became a widow with six children, six, six children. children. And she had gotten pregnant when she was 16, so never finished high school. So that day that I lost my father, I also lost my mother because my mother had to go to work. And so I became this lovely latchkey child. Um, But the beauty of it all is that I reflect on it now in my delicious sixth decade of life. And I am grateful that through that experience, I learned about resilience. I learned about strength. Um, I became very independent, you know, staying home a lot um, after school. Um, Also grew up a little too fast in that I had to take care of a lot of the household duties um, since my mom was working all the time. I had an older sister who was in college, just had left the house, and I didn't know her well. She was like the older sister. And four rowdy brothers left at home with me. Mm. And so it was a very interesting uh, childhood in that um, truly I reflect, I lived in a really small town, 150 people, and I was wild and free yeah, you at a young age. Mm. I would run around town. I would play in the creeks. I would play in the hay mounts. I would run up and down the railroad tracks. Um, and just as long as I got home and got my chores done before mom came home, I was happy as a clam and so was she. Um, mm. So it was an interesting childhood. But I think about how it boosted and bolstered my creativity because I would play by myself a lot. I would dance. I would make up plays. I always wanted to play teacher and I with my friends and I always wanted to be the teacher. So if I reflect in my early part of my life, um, the things that were really strong, I think, in me innately were how movement brought me joy Mm -hmm. on so many levels. Like I was just 
always moving. Like my mom was like, can you just be still? still? <laughs> We'd be in the grocery store and I'd be tap dancing, dancing down the lane. <laughs> and she'd just be like, can you just be still for a few moments? And so she stuck me in dance at age of five. And that was my passion. And, um, uh, but yeah, I think the dance, the, you know, playing by myself a lot, surviving with four brothers, yeah, hiding, I would hide food. So I would have food to eat. <laughs> I still hide food from my husband. <laughs> See, those things carry through. Yeah, they do. Uh-huh, they so do. I would hide food because they would eat everything. So, um, but yeah, mm. so it was all in all a very happy childhood. And I realized, um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I realized that I didn't really know that I was growing up without a father. It didn't bother me it's so much masculine energy yeah, there with around, your four yeah. brothers in a way and I had uncles and whatever but later in life when I was engaged and I saw my husband's relationship he had been married before so I have two beautiful bonus boys when I saw his relationship with those boys this father mm-hmm. relationship then I started to then it started bubbling oh. up like oh I missed out on that wow. what did I miss out on so that's another part of my story but um Growing up, I was very happy. It's like you, you don't, what you don't know, you don't know you don't in know. a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marsha, I have known you for a long time and you, of all the people in my life, you and I have had some of the deepest shares and conversations. I mean, multiple ones over the years. Mm-hmm. And I have never heard that story of waking up and hearing a blood curdling scream You have and falling back asleep. And that's also really interesting that as a little girl, like it clearly hit your system but then you were able to relax enough and fall back asleep that's mm-hmm. just seems really fascinating to me and fascinating that we've never talked about that so yeah. thank you for sharing I it thought I, yeah, yeah I guess I that's what like one of my most vivid memories of, of age course because like, yeah. like everything this, changed in your life yeah yeah and, and clearly and was it your mom it was my mom the yeah. kitchen was right beneath my um bedroom and they came to tell my mom that the accident that had happened and she screamed and then they took her and then it was weird because I woke up later and I think my grandma or my aunt or someone was in the house getting us kids ready for school like nothing had happened sent us off to school no one told you no one told us because we didn't know the exact we knew an accident had happened but we didn't know everything and then at noon, someone, I don't know who it was, someone came and got me out of school and brought me home and the house was filled with people, mm-hmm. strangers, neighbors, you know, and it was just like, and no one would tell me where my mom was. Oh, wow. And I just, it was weird. So, but I do remember, I guess the the blessing of age five is not really understanding. I remember going to the funeral. I remember looking in the casket, but I didn't understand what had happened. And wow. um and so later, later in life, when all of this started to bubble up inside of me, um, and I sought a good therapist, um, she reminded me of like actually, it was um, on sixty minutes uh, at the the five year anniversary of nine one one, and they had had these little five year olds on, or you know, it was around nine one one because they had these little five year olds on talking about that they'd lost their parents. And they were all sitting on a couch and they're like, yeah, I lost my dad. I lost my mom. And my husband said to me, Marsha, that's you. Wow. Like that was you at five. So look at the, you know, the ability to understand like that's, that's 
and the therapist was reminding me, I need to be more tender with myself mm. as I'm going through this. Cause I'm like, I'm 40 years old. I've Why lived without my dad. I'm fine. I had a great life. Why is this even bothering me? Just move on, Marsha. Just get over oh, it. Yeah. And then it was like, no, remember like yeah. this is, this is who you were at that age. So it was really interesting. It's almost like returning back to take care of that little girl. Yes. And saying, and that's exactly what she told me to do. She said, I thought it was a strange assignment. She said, go to Target in the toy aisle and find a toy that you as a five-year-old would have liked and buy it. And I was like, stupid. (laughs) So I did. And I went and I bought bought a teddy bear Mm. and I named it Calvin, which was my dad's middle name. And Calvin is still with me. And um, there were many nights I would just hold Calvin um, as I was processing that that grief. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? I'm also really, first of all, this happens all the time on this podcast that we learn new things and we have all these like massive downloads that happen. We're like, where did that come from? And again, I feel like I know you so well and I'm having all these ahas already. But you, Marsha Neeland, are one of the most playful people I have ever met in my life. And that's one of the things I love most about you is that you see play and fun and joy in all situations. But to think about that at five, you had to grow up really quick. You had to take on new responsibilities. How did you hold on to this playful essence? Because a lot of people don't like Mm -hmm. the moment some tragedy happens, they become five going on 25 and they lose that playfulness. But for for whatever reason, you have been able to hold and carry this throughout your whole life. Do you have any idea of why that uh, is? I think an insight to that is my mother, my mom. I watched every day resilience in motion. I watched her be resilient. I watched her strength. My mom was very playful. and um, Even after this major loss. Even after this major loss. she. I think humor was her coping mechanism. Okay, okay. Our house was always filled with music and dance and laughter and lightheartedness. And um, I never, if my mom, I, I know my mom had hard times, yeah. but it never, I never saw them. Like wow. it must've been behind closed doors when she laid her head on the pillow at night. But she was just, I mean, I can't imagine what her life felt like, you know, here I am 35 with six children and you know, yeah, not much. I mean, you know, obviously she was a waitress for her whole life. And, uh, but she um, was just like, she was my guru and she yeah. was my superhero. And um, yeah, I don't cry when I talk about it just because I love her so much. Well, and she really modeled living in that way for you. It may have been a coping mechanism, but it was the model you had for how to deal with grief or or loss was a playfulness. And so I imagine that you look to her on how Mm -hmm. to respond and it was to continue living and to to find joy and all of those things that you were doing. They were almost, um, you were modeling that after her in a way too. And then have carried that forward through your whole life. Yeah. Just, and I feel too that it, it's just part of my dharma to absolutely um, to let the joy bubble up and come out. Life is so serious, and you know, in our society, we look at play as just something that's a luxury. When you get your work done, you can go play, but it's a necessity. I mean, there's so much research. Doctor Stuart Brown read his book on play. 
Um, there's so much research on the benefits of play. And that's one of the things I like to bring into my teachings, um, whether it's with yoga or, I mean, you can have a playful meditation and it's pretty groovy. And, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be all serious all the time. Yeah. Like life is so serious. Um, and you can, and I bring it into the way I paint. Um, we do paint dancing. And so I, I think play is just, I don't know, it's part of me. I've been told I have a pixie spirit. Yes. I don't know where Does she not? From. Absolutely. I don't know where. She even has like a pixie essence. essence. And yes. yes. You do. So, yeah. yeah. That's such a great description. Just call me pixie. But also you took this concept of play forward to, to stay on the track of your mother because I know mm-hmm. what a positive impact she had on you. And I watched you care, give and play with her mm-hmm. as she suffered from dementia and then eventually died. Mm-hmm. And I remember so many phone calls with you where you're like, like, I'm going to my mom and we're going to play old music and dance. And you took these beautiful videos of oh. playing with your mother. And, oh, my gosh, so inspiring how to the heaviest of things, death, dementia, dying, yeah. losing your mind, you took, you took play. Yeah, because I knew that was a language we shared. Yeah. And, um, you know, many times our parents revert back to children, being a mm-hmm. child such as the case, of course, with my mom, too. And so it was just this 360, like she took care of me as a child. I'm taking care of her as she goes back to that childlike state. I specifically remember she was living in an independent living apartment. This was prior to full-blown dementia. We knew that, that there was cognitive impairment, but we didn't know to what extent. And she was living in her little apartment right next to the nursing home where my father was. That's a whole nother story. Um, He had an accident and became a quadriplegic. So that was just a whole mulligan stew of of time caregiving at that point. Was that your stepfather? Yes. Um, So I remember staying overnight with my mom because we would have these wild slumber parties and I would bring boas and (laughs) things and we would just dance and sing and, you know, which was my mom. Like she used to dress up like Minnie Pearl at everything and say, (laughs) howdy to everyone and just (laughs) and had the tag and everything. She was a riot. Um, But I remember laying in bed with her that morning. And um, I mean, I knew the next step was going to be the the care facility next door. I mean, I knew that's where we were going, but I rolled over behind her and I spooned her and I said, mom, oh no, before that I said, mom, do you want a spoon? And she's like, what's spoon? What do you mean by spoon? I'm like, you don't even know how to spoon. You don't even know what that is. I'm like, you're 80 some years old. When did you not learn how to spoon? I said, roll over on your side. So I rolled behind her and I put my body, you know, against hers like a spoon. And I said, we are spooning now. Aww. I said, you know, like two spoons in a drawer. She's like, oh. And then she sighed and she's like, I like to spoon. Mm. And so we oh. would just spoon from there on. And you just, wow. I just had this like so, such an intimate relationship with her because I was the last one at home. I was the baby of six. And um, we spent so much time together. So like mother, daughter, but really good friends. And so as she was going through dementia, it was just organic. It was natural for me to think, how can I still connect with her? Especially when she, there was a point where she could no longer speak. I knew she could understand, but she couldn't speak. So I would bring things that I knew would resonate with her. She loved music. So I would make her playlists and then she would sing and she would remember the words to the song. So Mm. that was our connection, Mm. singing. Um, Then when the singing started to wane, I would bring 
drum. I had a drum. She loved rhythm and music. So she would be, I would drum and then she would drum and she'd light up. I would drum and she would drum. Um, she was also, she started painting in her fifties. So I brought whiteboards and I would scribble something because she couldn't remember what to scribble or draw, but she could copy. So I would draw something and then she would draw something. And my mom loved, she was a basketball player. And so Mm. I, I would just, this is where creativity comes in, right? It's just problem solving. It's, it's problem, you know, creative problem solving solutions in all areas of our life. But um, I would bring the basket, the uh, waste basket out in her room. And we, I got this little $5 ball from Walmart and she would shoot baskets. Oh. And, and then we would dance in her room because she loved to dance. And so every time, even though the normal communication was not there. You know, a lot of us just give up. Like, I don't want to go visit my grandma or my parents because there's nothing for us to talk about. And we just sit there. For me, it was like, that's not an option. Mm. Like, I have to still connect to her soul. And her soul, I know what her soul likes. Mm. So all of these different creative ways allowed me to still stay connected to her until the last minute. That is so incredibly beautiful. Isn't it? Makes yeah. you makes you think about the people in your life that that are slipping away, yeah. but there are so many, there are so oh. many ways to still connect. So you just have ways. to be creative. Yeah. And with dementia, you know, um, you don't, especially as it progresses, you don't know what you're going to get when you show up. And some days it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. And some days it's very challenging when they're looking at you and yelling at you and, you know, saying things, you know, that's not, it's the dimension. That's not, not them. them. But it got really hard towards the end. I would drive, my mom lived an hour and a half away, and I was sometimes driving two or three out times a week to visit her. And um, uh, this is where, you know, just the the foundation of yoga and meditation helped me so much. I would drive to the care facility, I would park in the parking lot, and I would sit there and it was just like, I, I don't want to go in, I don't want to go, but I'm going to go. And it would just be the mantra, what would love do? What would love do? What would love do? Love would show up regardless of what's on the other side. Love goes. Love. It's on me all the time. Like love. Um, And she's uh, got a love bracelet on for all you can't see. (laughs) Love. And so, but I have absolutely no regrets because Mm. I was there through the good times. I was there through the not so good times. And I walked her home just like she yes, held my hand did. so many times. Oh. And you walked her home with so much grace mm-hmm. and so much beauty example to everyone about how to usher someone you really care about into their next chapter. And yeah. 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 So another thread from that is, um, and I also don't know if I fully remembered this, that your mom started painting at 50. Yeah. And you started painting at? How old? 49. 49. Uh-huh. So let's go down that path of how you found your creativity and your art. And then maybe we can backtrack and talk about how yoga and meditation have been such a foundational piece of your life. But, okay. you know, your mom gave you this example of finding art full expression and it's amazing and not surprising that you just repeated the pattern. I know. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. She, um, and of course we live in a small town and there wasn't a lot of things to do, but she found this woman that was teaching art classes. And so she started oil painting 
And she would paint detailed things like people's houses or dogs or, you know, just all these dogs. really, de- you know, like pheasants or whatever, you know, <laughs> or my hunting brothers or whatever. But um, so she would paint and it gave her such joy, you know, for her to say, look what I did. And she even painted this picture. I have it hanging in my dining room now, the bridges of Madison County. And she got a blue ribbon at the Iowa State Fair. Wait a second. She brought it to the... I didn't know you could enter the Iowa State Fair no matter what age you are. Well, this was earlier. um, Yeah, in her 50s, 60s. So it was hanging up with the blue ribbon? Um, I don't know where the ribbon went, but she wrote on the back of it, clearly. (laughs) She got a ribbon. She wanted wanted no one to forget that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it meant a lot to her. And um, I did not make the correlation I turned 49 and it was a cold winter day and I'm like oh I'm so bored I need a hobby you Mm -hmm. know and especially as I get older I need a hobby so I just went to Michael's bought some uh, canvases and paint brought it home sat down watched a few YouTube videos decided huh I, I got I'll, this. I got this. He's <laughs> a cake. And then you can understand this because I know we've talked about this. I got paralyzed with perfectionism. Like, <gasps> what if I waste this paint? What if what I paint is not pretty enough to hang on a wall? Like what, like what if it's not pretty enough for someone to see? So I just like got stuck. And then somehow found this course online called Creatively Fit. And it came... Uh, it approached uh, creativity from a different perspective, which helped me get out of that. So it was more of like fitness, which is spoke what, your language, spoke right? Language, how the fitness. It was like, yeah. okay, when you're painting, it shifts you to your right brain. And when you're in your right brain, you can't be stressed at the same time. So you can do, it's a great way to relieve stress. And so it taught me more about the process of moving paint around is what's important, not so much the product or the outcome mm. of it. And that gave me a sigh of, ah, okay, I can just play with paint. I don't have to make something to hang on the wall. And that was the beginning of just playing and moving paint and and not having any agenda that I needed to make something. Um, and then, you know, I was hungry to learn more. So I went to some art camps. and Which is also you. You're like, let's deep dive yeah, now let's, into let's yoga. More. Let's deep yeah, dive into yeah, art. Yeah. yeah. And so then I just, I found some mentors that, that helped me, you know, but the, but the ones I found, the ones I were drawn to were deeply playful. Um, a beautiful woman named Flora Boley, um, as an artist in uh, Oregon, she's from Wisconsin actually. And when I showed up at her workshop, it was like, let's blindfold each other. Let's paint with our fingers and dance on this big canvas. And, and like, I'm like, oh my yes, God, I have found my dance, person. All way. And she was a yoga teacher also. All came together. And so I was like, yes, this is what, this is what I want to do for more joy in my life. But I also want to pass it on because, you know, that's, you're the same way we learn things. And we're like, how can I pass this on and, and teach it to other people? So yeah, so so the thing now is, um, and there's a long story to make it really short, uh, during right before the um, COVID circus. Um, <laughs> shit show. Shit show. <laughs> shit show. Um, I had been contemplating, uh, I already had a yoga studio and I had a space where I was painting, but it was rather small. And I'd been contemplating or getting this nudge that I needed a bigger painting space. I'm like, no, this makes no sense. You already have a huge rent here. Like, why would you go find another studio? And I'd been looking, inquiring about this space. 
And I told the gentleman, the, the landlord, hey, if it ever comes open, let me know. I might be interested. And the long story short, the day after my mom passed over, he called me and said, that space is open. Oh. And I was like, of course okay, it is. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and so when I'm there now, and you know, it's a happy it's place. Magic. When I'm in that little space, my mom is there 100%. We dance together. We sing together. We paint together. I feel her so closely there. And so, and I, I know that fuels me. Yeah. yeah. And she is prolific. I mean, Marsha, you, so you've been painting 10, 11 years now. I've been playing with playing. Okay, playing with <laughs> paint. No, 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 that's around. good. That's Just good. this year, I started to say I am a freaking artist. She, you are. But she is. She's prolific. I mean, <laughs> you have beautiful. painted so much. You are selling paintings like crazy. I People am. are coming to you and saying, "Will you paint for this?" You're doing this thing called soul art, which I definitely want you to talk about. But I know you well enough. You're such a humble, beautiful human being that you're. You won't really talk about this, but like you are doing it as an artist in the world. You're selling yes. paintings people are right it's I amazing am. I freaking am. you know you what freaking are. let me just tell you this sister. please tell us sister. <laughs> yes. so this year I stepped it up I finally stepped into that because you I've did. been like oh I'm just playing with paint and like playing small that's what I'm doing and now I'm like no 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 like 60s I'm in my 60 decade it's about power and peace for me baby yes. like power and peace, power and and peace. Stepping into, I hired, I hired, I signed up, uh, I got a, an art mentor um, and she's an amazing, Jody King is her name. And uh, so I paid, dropped some coin to step more confidently into this role of an artist. And she was so helpful. And so I had to release a holiday collection last year. That was one of our, you know, I gave goals. one of those paintings to Kate. Oh, it's right. Yes. Yes. And oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and it was called wildflower, yes. wildflower free. And, um, I, when I released that, I sold 20 paintings in 30 minutes oh. online. Mm-hmm. And I was like, floored like I was sitting there at my computer as people were like um I was almost like Vegas like bidding <laughs> like yours yours sold sold oh, you can't have that one somebody else has it and so it was a rush it was a pure rush but more than anything it just solidified that you know I'm doing what I love that flow and people are receiving yeah. and yeah and you fully stepped into that. And I Dharma. fully stepped into it. So yes. it's such a thing from this podcast. It is. Like how we can step into these yeah. things and get out of the small roles or that feeling of playing small and be like, yeah, stepping up. Or we talked earlier, like, well, I'm a yoga meditation teacher. I just do art for fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right on the side. And Who am I to be an artist? Right. I didn't yes. go to art school. Right. Who am I? Who am I to sell paintings? Yeah. That's not my thing. Yeah. yeah. But who are we not? Exactly. You know, like, I think it's an insult to the amazing, magnificent beings that we are to think that we can only be one thing in this life, mm-hmm. right? Like we or need one yes. thing at a time, one thing at a time, right? So you can be whatever and as many things as you want because we have yoga teaches us like this amazing potential. We don't even tap. We don't even barely Scratch tap. The surface. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. Can you talk? I mean, I've had two friends go through you know, work with you on their soul art and I hope to be next, but Ooh. as you just stirred up a little bit more I business know. there, Marcia. <laughs> my prices just went up. <laughs> um, it's worth can it. You share, oh, I, I know I, cause I've seen the results. Can you share 
that process? Like what is soul art to you and how do you work with people? Yeah. So soul art was born um, organically with a dear friend of mine. Was I your first soul art customer? You were my first. No way. You never forget your first. <gasps> I have chills. <laughs> I have yeah. chills. So, um, but from my first experience with Betsy, it's evolved even more. And so I would describe soul art as a, it's a two hour experience that, um, I usually start by a 30 minute phone call with the person and just kind of feel out like why, what are they interested in? For some people, they want to do it just for pure inspiration. Like what is my soul? What's the language of my soul? What's important to me? I want that on a canvas. I want to see that every day to be reminded. Other people are, it's organically unfolding, are wanting to heal. Um, I've had people that, um, lost their mothers recently. And they're like, I want to do a painting that is a a memorial to my mother. Um, And so, or I have um, a couple that came recently and they lost their 21 year old daughter. um, And that was a very difficult, of course, loss. And so they wanted to make a painting that would um, be a reminder of her and her beautiful soul. And they have a place in their living room where it's going to go. I'm still working on it. So they arrive and I start off with shifting them from their head space to their heart space, because most of us, especially if most people, their um, trepidation is I'm not artistic. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. And so we start in a reclined position. We do some restorative breath work, really just getting them to their nervous system to calm down and, and then guiding them to the heart space where all creativity bubbles from. Mm. And that gets them in a relaxed state. And then we do a meditation and the meditation is about, um, uh, color and uh, texture and and symbols and shapes and words and things that are bubbling up from their soul that are important to them. And so they kind of scribble on a piece of paper all of this. It just you know comes out and they place it down. And then there's a blank canvas waiting for them. We've determined ahead of time what size they want. And then they just get set. I set them free. There's music playing. We have crayons and markers and paints and they lay the foundation. They might meditate or take a moment to pray or say a blessing on the canvas, infusing it with their their energy, um, their intention, and they're laying the foundation. And then they also bring images along with them, things that speak to their soul. Maybe it's a picture of the mountains or the ocean or nature or whatever it is they bring. So I get more uh, a little more intimate and detailed idea of what they're looking for. And then they leave and I continue on. So it becomes a commission piece of art. I continue on doing my best to interpret what their soul was desiring. And then this piece of art goes on their wall and it's not just a piece of art. It's a reminder of what's important to them. And I've heard so many stories one woman just recently sent me a picture again of the art that she created. And I know hers was about hope and she had all of these hope sayings underneath. And she said, I just went through a horrible breakup. I moved to um, a new place and in my new place, that painting is in my living room. She sent me a picture of, mm-hmm. I walk by it every day and I have hope, Yeah, you know? So it's artists. Well, also the experience you give people, Marsha, like I, that day, I mean, you're, 
you know, such a dear friend and I knew we were going to co-create this art together. And I've done other like art projects with you, even though I'm like, I'm not an artist. <laughs> but you are. That's my friend. But you are. Um, and when I walked in and you had this whole thing set up for me to lay down and receive, it was so profoundly healing for me at a really hard time in my life. So I also think the experience of creating that is such a healing depth mm-hmm experience and then to be able to look at what the result is what you've kind of co-created clearly you do more of the work but um it's it is a powerful memory of the event Mm. and so i can't speak enough of it It feels like you are putting people's hearts into a piece of art yeah whatever's a great way to say whatever hurts or whatever's beautiful art from the heart yeah it's literally you're bringing it out of that space mm-hmm. onto a canvas, which is just so incredible. It's very rewarding. Do you know, to is see. anyone else doing this, or was this like your? I think I this don't know is where your creative <laughs> just dropped, it just through downloaded and out. into you. Yes, yeah. yeah. But I, I feel like it's been an honor to hold space for people to heal or for people to really get more deeply acquainted with their soul and being inspired from within themselves and then see it projected yeah. on a on a piece of art. So it's definitely part of my my new chapter, my new path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel that the potency also comes from blending breath, meditation, um, sometimes a little bit of movement, you know, all of those things together with the healing modality of art, like the three of the, the trifecta of of movement I move, create, meditate, I found has just been very, very healing for people. What a beautiful path you've had. And I think you're a beautiful example in a, in a person of how the body, mind, and spirit all come together in your, in your work. Yeah. Like you started with the body, feels like meditation was the next layer. Mm-hmm. The mind, yeah. yeah. The mind, and it's like this, I just feel this like, trajectory of how you've moved through mm-hmm. those three areas and yeah i agree and scooped up all the goodness of each and then blended and like, yeah. fused them together yeah. There's a new fusion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and i'm looking at your art right now can't wait for listeners to go to yeah your, we're gonna put a bunch of it in the show it notes is, oh. it's phenomenal Marcia. Yeah, it really is thank you i just want to say if i might that for anyone listening to this, if, regardless of whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, like if there is this inner prompting, this knocking on the door of something and you're playing small with it, like like I did for a long time, like, oh my gosh, life is too short. Stop it. Like stop it right now and step into it. And one thing that helped me, if I might add, like in 2020, well, let's say pff, we've all gone through a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, prior to 2020, I went through five years of in years in a row of loss. I lost my father, my stepfather, and then I lost my 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 beautiful 18-year-old cat, Yogi, and then the next year I lost my mother, and then the next year I lost my business of 20 years during COVID, I closed it, and then the next year I lost my 15-year-old cat. And I was so utterly exhausted and like depleted and like the joy was not bubbling to the surface. You know, we go through these times and I said to my husband, why am I so exhausted? Why do I feel so horrible? And he's like, you've been on the lost train for five years Mm -hmm. in a row. And so 
Then this book came through. Uh, the I love the author Stephen Pressfield, and oh, I don't uh, know this book. And this book, his new book called "Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be," slapped me upside the head, and I was like, "Oh, so you know, basically, it's saying put your body." in the position of where you want to be, act. just do it. Wow. Right. And so like, if you want to be an artist, be an artist, start painting more. If you want to run a marathon, go out and start running. If you want to, whatever, like whatever it is, put your ass there and start doing it. And I really needed that little kick because I was granted giving myself time to grieve, but also there was a point where I was wallowing, like, mm, who am stuck. I now? Yeah. I don't have my yoga studio anymore. Now who am I? Right. They say the best way to counter self-doubt is to act. Mm. It's just to act. It's to take action. Mm. Once you, once that forward momentum starts, yes. but, but so many of us, I'm guilty of this. Certainly we, we stay in, in indecision. We, we, we're all in our head. Right. Is that really something I can do? Yeah. We, it's like paralysis analysis. And so hundred percent. Yeah. I, lo- I, I think this is such an inspirational story to our listeners who, you know, are women at all stages of life who clearly want to break out of the mold. They want like, you know, there's like, it's, we've all been conditioned into these pretty narrow roles as women and they want to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're such an example of that. And also that you've somehow fluidly moved through different chapters of your life. So you had this 20 year chapter of being a yoga studio own, owner and having like a huge following of yoga students. And then you lost that during the pandemic and then you figured out how to create a new chapter. So that is inspiration to people because we have all these new iterations of ourselves and sometimes we resist it or we doubt it or we're <clears throat> scared. Kate just went through a new iteration. I'm going through a new iteration. Like, can you talk to women about how you, how you do that? Because I think yeah. we're all faced with it. Yeah, I, I, I've, thought about a lot about that in the last couple of years. It's, it feels like a reconfiguration that keeps happening yeah. in each decade. And you, you get to decide if you want, like, what do I take with me from the past decade mm-hmm. into the new decade? And then what do I layer on top of that, which creates this richness in our souls, this richness in our being, you know, um, as we especially women, as we go through midlife, you know, we've done the family, we've done the career, we've kind of gotten on a path. And then, and then biologically, we start to go through menopause and the change. And then uh, you can call them hot flashes. I always called them power surges, like, oh, here Mm, it comes in power surge, because (laughs) my mama told me about what was coming. And she's like, you are going to get more and more powerful. Yes, we've talked about that. And so I was grateful that she gave me that forewarning. It wasn't like, oh, menopause. It was like, "Mm, honey, you're going to step more and more into your power. Look at you have. And And it, it totally is true. But someone who's inspired me so much recently is the um, author, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to say her name right, Edith Eager. Mm. She wrote the book called The Choice. She was interviewed on Oprah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Went through the Holocaust. Yes, she was a Holocaust <clears throat> survivor. And I, when I was wallowing those, you know, after I lost my business and I was trying to figure out what's next, what do I do now? And like, that's, that's my love. How do I do what I love? I read her book and she wrote her first book at 92, Mm. like 92. 
And she, after going through the Holocaust, became a, a psychologist, a therapist, and has helped people with trauma. So even now in her 90s, she's still helping people. And as I was moving towards 60, trying to reconfigure like who, what now, I first had to remind myself, there's a lot of time left for you to do and give and serve in a lot of ways. So you need to get this little... Like we have an expiration date? Yes. Yeah. You need to get that out of your mind because there's still a lot Amen. you can do. Especially as women, because mm-hmm. so often as women age, we sort of, our culture puts us on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And you just described so perfectly that as you age, you get more powerful and you get more yeah. alive Turn and vibrant. Up the burner. And we Turn have to lean, and we have to lean, <laughs> into, lean that. into it and not buy into that old story that we just get like a silent wallflower. Put and me on the shelf. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sister, you are not on any. Don't you no. put Marsh Nealon on a put, shelf. Don't you put baby on a shelf. <laughs> oh, no, that was baby in a corner. <laughs> But yeah, I know we can, so many parts of our life, we go through identity crisis, right? I think that's, but it's, it's just that, as we know, I think we have to turn inward more often to really get clear on what, how we want to feel when the world, of course, is pulling us outward all the time. Listen to the inner promptings, watch for the signs around you, the things that light you up. I know that's such a cliche, but truly the things that light you up, you know, my path, if I go back you know, dance. I was in dance. I went to college. I was a dance major and then ripped a hamstring and went, oh, well, if I was really a dancer, I'd be out of a job now. Switched into a whole nother field, you know, which took me into corporate America, which made me feel like I was dying every day <laughs> in the cage of nine to five. But yeah, you know, I needed to make a living. But the whole time movement and dance, aerobics, those things lit me up. I knew that was my dharma. My dream was to go to Broadway and be in the bright lights, mm. but my dharma was more powerful because I, what I figured out later is I was placed in the bright lights of so many beautiful students, like that type of light, the inner light of people. And it made me um, bolster my inner light because yeah. I was leading these people. So yeah, Broadway, bright lights, yeah. yoga, meditation, being in the lights of other people, um, take it, that any day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And rewarding. I think about your life, Marsha, and the ripples you've created in so many people's lives mm-hmm. that you have planted seeds of inspiration and joy and really helped people find their own light. You did that for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you do on a regular basis for me. And so the ripples of your life, mm-hmm. that's the, that's your legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I remember the first day you walked into my yoga oh. studio, Betsy. You were such a cute little thing. <laughs> well, I remember I was a, a Yingar trained yogi and I remember the first class with you and you were like joyful and fun and you played awesome music. And I was like, who is this person? And I did not know yoga could be like this. And, and you totally shifted and changed my life. Absolutely. I would not be in the space I am without Marsha Neeland. So I will forever be grateful to you, you and, and your light. You are a bright light. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, probably how we like to close these conversations. <gasps> um, and you are truly a wild woman. Thank you. And, this and I will wear it and own yes. it. Yeah. She came in with these like wild glasses on today. And we're like, look at those glasses. Tell them what they're, ma- they're made of. They're made out of recycled record albums. Yeah. Um, of course they are. <laughs> of course. Because it's music. Because it's Marsha. <laughs> but we want to know um, 
about for you, which door, which precious door into the world of the wild woman you believe you can came through if you have a deep scar and you can have more door. than one door marcia i know I was you. already thinking that i yeah, know you i know doors. you uh-huh. yeah. so if you have a deep scar that is a door if you have an old old story that is a door if you love the sky and the water so much you can almost not bear it that is a door and if you yearn for a deeper life a full life a sane life that is a door. So, Marsha, which door do you think has been yours? Like we're on a game show. I know. Door number one, <laughs> door number two. Oh my God, no one's three. ever said that. I know. That's so perfect. <laughs> I will never think of that question in the same way again. <laughs> no, I love it. A good game show. The game of life, right? Yes, the, the game, game of, of life. life. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that question. I'm like, 100% multiple doors. I don't feel like I go just through, have gone just through one door to the fullness of my life. Um I feel like I do have deep scars, you know, from early, uh, lots of loss early in life. I feel like um, I have scars also, I didn't talk about, of infertility. I wasn't able to have children. I have two bonus sons, and that's a whole nother story. But um, there's a deep scar there. There's, you know, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to, you know, have that experience. Um, and also, I love the water Mm. And I feel like I have to, I live and breathe in the creative waters of movement and dance yeah. and art. And that makes me feel alive and brings my wildness to the surface because it's such a part. And the last question, the last door, I like all the doors. Um, the last door is the fullness. Like a full life is so, so important to me. Um, that We've had this conversation many times. A long time ago, I just got so tired of idle chit chat. Like the, mm-hmm. like I want to talk deep with people. I want, I want fullness. And not that long ago when I was in a low place, I said to my husband one day, I said, I am happy. I'm, I'm a happy person. I get that. I'm, ha- I'm, I have a happy set point, but right now I don't feel fulfilled. Like that something's lacking when I'm pulled away from, I was pulled away from what I love. I said, I don't feel fulfilled fulfilled. And to me, fulfillment, and I've probably heard this somewhere. I'd like to give them credit, but I can't remember where I heard it. Fulfillment is about growth and giving. And as long as I'm growing and learning and evolving and growing through um, challenges and experiences, then I have something to give. I want to share with other people. And so as long as that's happening in my world, um, I feel like it's leading me to a fuller life. Mm. And through that door of fullness. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so all four, all four <laughs> doors. And I think that is just the perfect epitome of Marsha Neeland because she is such an expansive, bright, full, like you really, if I can say I've lived the shit out of your life, you asked before, you're like, can we swear on this? And like, I'm like, yes, yes, please. Right. Like I feel that that defines you because you just show up full every single time you're like mm. i'm gonna get the most out of this experience <laughs> yeah. and so of course she chose she was like four doors i don't know yeah. that chose four i think she is <laughs> well Which, i couldn't just pick one well and, right, right, yeah. and they, you're right yeah, yeah. as we listen to your story they all they all fit yeah, yeah. And, and you keep stepping you know i think that's another thing to think about is the wild woman you step through a door right well you just keep finding new doors yeah like, this is the next infinite door. doors this is the next door and yeah i've done that you're intrepid you. like that thank you guys 
Where can people find you, Marsha? Right yeah, here tell in us. this chair. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's in the present moment. Yes, right here in the now. Yeah, because I, I do think people who have never had the, oh, just the deep pleasure and opportunity of meeting you and knowing you after hearing this are going to want to hear and know you and see your art. And I will say to anyone listening, if you get the chance to do a workshop or a retreat or an in-person art thing with Marsha, or meditation or yoga, it will shift you so deeply. So tell people where they can locate you. I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And there's um, her address (laughs) on her door. Call me anytime. Come over. Um, I teach yoga there. So um, you can find me at marshaneelan.com. And, um, you know, on the social media, Instagram, Marsha Neelan, Facebook, um, my art page specifically is Marsha Neelan Creations, but there is just Marsha Neelan too. And I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, although I forget to feed it once in a while, you know. Um, and uh, You're on Instagram too, aren't you? I'm on Instagram. And then I have um, Meditations on Insight Timer, which is a, an app. And I think, let me see, I have to look at my notes because I don't know where else I exist. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. It's usually just Marsha Nealon, nothing fancy. And uh, yeah. And we will, we'll put all this in the, in show notes on the website so people can find that. But I think you'll really want to reach out and and see her art and and get to know her better through her platforms because you are a force. Well, thank you. And you guys, I want to thank you for what you're doing. Like this podcast is rocking the world. And Mm -hmm. um, we're at a point, you know, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to the choir here. Like women need connection. They need to know that. I mean, we all are so much more alike than we are different. And we're all feeling similar things. And yet we feel like we're living on an island sometimes. So keep doing what you're doing. And keep extracting the what the shit out of our wild yeah. <laughs> so like no wild kidding. child yes no. yeah, thank yeah. you for that yeah. mm. well i want to add one thing to the end because we are sitting here in iowa city today and i just want to give a shout out and champion the women's basketball team yes that is playing tonight in the <clears throat> final four ncaa tournament once this airs, we will know the outcome. We will, but and no God. matter. She was a she was a cheerleader. Oh, at the, Iowa. Yeah, that's perfect. Can you give us a little cheer? <laughs> yes. Oh, geez. <laughs> it was more of a dance. No pressure. I was on the dance team. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Turn some music on, and I'll totally give you a dance team. I still know the Iowa fight song. Okay, though. we're gonna but put a video s- of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. We are we are so proud of this team, the coaches. Yes. What they have done for women's basketball in this country, in the world, yeah. um, the way they play together, they collaborate, they support each other. They are an example of how women can women lift rising. Up women. Yes. And I and working proud. together as a team. Yes. Collaboration. Yes. yes. They all, they see. all play a role and they all support one another. And it's so clearly mm-hmm. part of their success. Yeah. And we just couldn't be more proud. So go Hawks. Go Hawks. And thank you, Marsha. Thank yeah, you, guys. Thank you, Marsha. We love you so much. We love you too. Bye. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within.
You can reach me at katemorlandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. Safety.